Hey guys. We talk about a little bit about sexual abuse. We talk a little bit about suicide. I think that's it. That's it for trigger warnings. So here's the episode. Hello and welcome to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. <laughs> the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is oh, oh, so delightful. Here we have hits Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, coming at you. It's 7.05 a.m. <laughs> You've been practicing your voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think I have a chance? I mean, you think- I think you should submit it. Like... I should send that to John Carter. Shoot your shot. You know? It's like, you never know. They might just really love it. That's freaking funny. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. How about you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's been, it's been a really rough month at work. I yeah. don't know. I don't, there's maybe one person at work that listens, but it's just been, a, it's been super busy. Um, but I'm seeing daylight. I think that'll be slowing down a little bit so it should be kind of back to normal-ish in the next yeah few weeks that's going on and then i don't know i'm excited for christmas i mean i'm sure you feel it too but it's you know for a while christmas was not a big deal for me but ever since like i've had kids it's just like their excitement rubs off on me and i i love it i love christmas so i think it's like an energy in the air because i i notice it with my patients too like i've been joking with them of I love this time of year, one, because it's not hot, and two, people are just in a better mood, generally. I think especially leading up to Thanksgiving, because there's no presents, really, right. at Thanksgiving, so it's more like you just hang out and play games with family and friends. Um, it's a little more stressful because of the emphasis put on presents, but still, like, I think that people are generally jollier, they're yeah. happier, um, they're in more of a giving mood, they're in more of a, a loving mood, and, and so I, I love this time of year. Yeah, me too. It's like, it's fun. And, I mean, I'm not worried about any of the presents. Bonnie does all the shopping. So, win-win. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, Natalie too. <laughs> so, it's just like, when the kids are opening up presents uh, in the morning, I'm like, it's the first time I've seen them. I'm like, like oh, wow, oh, yeah. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you what, else did, what else did Santa give you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, it's, it's exciting. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I, did you see Jim Gaffigan yesterday? Sure did. How it, was it? It was hilarious. Do you want me just to tell all the jokes? Yeah, just to, just to give me the highlights. Okay, I'll tell you one funny one. Okay. He's like, a lot of people tell me that I look like a Mormon. I didn't know you could look like a religion. <laughs> That's all. That's it? <laughs> For some reason, I thought that was a setup. <laughs> like, the punchline was coming. <laughs> No, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. He told a lot of... I mean, it was awesome. It was really, really funny. I'm sure he'll release a special. I think I, I think he's going to on Netflix really soon. So I'll tell you a bunch of them off air. Yeah. It was, it was really good. So I've got two things. So I want to remind everyone, last episode, I asked, or a couple episodes ago, I asked people to share, and I want to say thank you for all those who have. And if you haven't, please do it. Please share it. And... If you've uh, been on the sh- if you've been on the show, you share your episode. Come on, send it to your mom, or have your wife or your husband share it on their social media. Or if you want to do a part two episode, reach out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I wanted to say thanks thanks to those people. 
Who do we have on tonight? We are going to talk to David Duper Parker. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, he's somebody that had connections with him. Like, yeah. Like, I know that he, he, in my mind, he like hung out with my younger sister, Nancy. I, Did he date Nancy? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. They, they were friends. I think that they, I think they had a similar friend group. And so I, I've had little connections here and there with him over the years. I don't, I haven't seen him for a long time, but, uh, always a nice guy and, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. He's actually going to be here in person with us. So I'm looking forward to that. That's fun. Yeah. Anyone that wants to come over for your episode, come on over. Come on over, baby. <laughs> Christina Aguilera. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you just made that up. <laughs> I wish I can. <laughs> All right. Well, here's our episode with David. <laughs> David, welcome to the show in person. Hello. Live in person from your device. It's so much better to like look into somebody's eyes. Then to like try to look at the laptop camera. <laughs> I wish you would stop looking so deeply to make it. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> you never get used to it. It just makes you feel good and kind of uncomfortable. But... Let's just be staring at you the whole time then. Yes. Awkwardly stare at each other. Go. <laughs> Best podcast episode. <laughs> Thirty minutes of silence. <laughs> this is a great intro. <laughs> no words, all feelings. <laughs> people feel that. People connect to that. So they'll know. Yeah, I like it. But I'm I'm happy you you made the trek um, all the way to to my house. All the way, we're here. Oh, but so we're happy to have you. And um, so tell us a little bit, like what what made you send us an email saying like, hey, I, I want to be on. So kind of a, a short bit of it. Um, we kind of talked about it before, but I uh, I decided at some point. About a year and a half, two years ago, I wasn't on any social media and I really rarely did anything anyway. But I had a friend um, who texted me just saying, hey, you listen to this podcast. And I'm like, I don't, I'm very technology resistant. So I just barely had a smartphone. I'm like, I don't even know how to listen to a podcast. So he sent it to me. And then he had recently got called out. And so I was thinking, all right, he's going to do it. He's going to call me out. And in my personality style... I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do it. And I don't care. Like, I'll tell people no. But I thought, all right, for the sake of uh, my, my job and advocating for some things, um, you know, especially I listened to the first few episodes and more and more that came on. I was like yelling at my phone almost like, we, you know. But, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm going to take control of this and I'm going to reach out. Six months later, we're in the basement. <laughs> yeah, we've been a slow, like, it's been a slow turn of episodes uh, lately, but... But I need that, so it's I appreciate healthier. it. Like, I, yeah. yeah. It gave you a lot of time to really think about what yeah. you want to say. Yeah. You know? So, um, so there we go. There we go. We reached out. All right, so catch us up a little bit. What have you been up to since high school? What's your life been looking like? Do you guys want to go, f- like, fast, like, from then to now, or... Yeah. Sure. yeah. However you want us to share it. Well, now I have to think about it. We might have to edit this part out, guys. <laughs> I wasn't as much as I was prepared. I didn't have the... All right. So since high school, um, you know, I will just kind of go from, from the high school point where we graduated and I instantly went to Slick. Um, didn't quite know what I was doing, but back in those days, you had to stay on your parents' insurance. And I ended up, uh, you know, I've had a condition my whole life that's not a huge deal, but um, I've had a heart condition. And so I needed to stay on my parents' insurance and... 
you know, long story short of it, right after about a year after graduation, I uh, needed to have surgery, which was a very dramatic thing for me, but I ended up not having surgery. And so like I was on my parents' insurance, this whole deal, but um, I just was going to slip. Just, I, I've always valued education. So I wanted to go, but really my motivation then was insurance. Um, you know, it took quite a while to, uh, to get there, failed quite a bit of classes. And so did you end up taking like a bunch of bowling and like... I did take bowling actually. <laughs> I needed that peak. I needed that elective. Like, <laughs> the funny thing is I hate bowling. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I've like, it's almost like, I don't know. Bowling is rough for me because a that lot of my friends friend. loved bowling and I'm not good at bowling. They're like, if you play, you'll be better. And I'm like, but I don't have fun when I play because you guys are better than me. And like, I don't play enough to be good. And I don't want to be good enough to, to play. So that was my but, experience with Halo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, Halo and Call of Duty is my, like, I won't play because I'm like, <laughs> this isn't fun. Like, if you played more, you'd be better. But I'm like, you know, I just, so, um, yeah, I took, I mean, I took a lot of math because I failed a lot of math. And, and that's a hook. We'll talk about that later. Mm. But, um, yeah, eventually I took a little break off and went down to, to, whatever Dixie State's name is now, thinking I was going to grow and be a new person. I think it's a Utah Tech or something. Um, Ended up not being a different person, just hung out in my... I should have went a different way. Way too hot. I hated it. And I lived there for almost the full year. And I was like... So, then I went back to Slick and started doing some radio stuff, actually. Uh, I decided I wanted to be in in radio and sports broadcasting and stuff like that. So, I took some radio classes. Had a lot of fun. Met someone. Didn't end up doing anything in radio, which I think you had talked about at one point wanting to get into radio. I would have loved to have worked with yeah. John Carter. So, <laughs> the so I was I was trying to do that same thing, more like sports broadcasting and like had interviews to, you know, Metal Lemma Harrington and one job interview. But nice. yeah, um, changed because of circumstances and didn't want to work anytime, any day for the small chance to make it, especially with where my life was headed at that point. So ended up getting married and then took a little bit of break. Um, so like, I didn't want to work in radio because I couldn't support a family or, or a wife or anything like that at the point. So, um, worked at a warehouse, loved, loved my job for a while. Had a little bit of a rough time in a call center, but was new knew I wanted to get more education, but I didn't know in what. And so she went and got her bachelor's degree and I hung out. I knew I was going to get a bachelor's in something just because I've always been driven to do that, but figured out, figuring out what. And then uh, the fates came in and she took a psychology class at the U and I've always been interested in like personality and stuff like that. I used to want to teach a lot for summers off, but my personality, very introverted. Um, I couldn't handle eyes on me all day. Like it, it stress, it would stress me out. So uh, we ended up taking a personality test, the Myers-Briggs, and she took it in class just for fun. Like, well, for her assignment, I guess, but brought it home and said, hey, I learned this in class. Why don't you do it for fun? And so I had been interested in teaching, but knew I couldn't do that. I've always been interested in psychology and helping people. And so I took the quiz, the test. It's like the full on like thing and uh, got a personality that was an INFJ, which is the counseling or advocate type and had careers that were available. And one of them was counselor. And, you know, I knew I didn't want to be a therapist. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. So it was like that aha moment of this is what I should do. So right when she graduated, I went back to school at uh, Utah state, got two degrees through Utah state, never lived in Logan. Fun story there. But, um, 
Yeah, then graduated. Were you commuting to school? No. Uh, so I did my uh, when my undergrad for my bachelor's. I was working in Salt Lake, and so they have a they had a really good online program oh, before yeah, online yeah. programs were cool. Before online schooling was cool, they they had a good one. So I did my undergrad there while I was working. So working full time, going to school full time. So I just went through the Salt Lake campus, and then the school counseling program up there is actually never taught in Logan. It's either virtual depending on the year that you start. It's either virtual or in Kaysville. So I'd only commute once a week. There were long days, like 3.30 to 10.30 or whatever. But um, So I just had to drive up to Kaysville. So nice. Drive to Lagoon once a week and wish I was on that ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. And I, I actually love, I go for, you know, graduations and for testing and stuff that I had to do. But I love Logan now. I was always like weirded out by small towns. So I went down to you know, St. George, which, but, um, it's so beautiful up there. I actually wish I would have went in the first place, but you know, it's life. So, yeah. And where are you at now? You said you're a school counselor, but what school? Yeah. Um, so I am at a, a brand new middle school. This is our third year. Um, this is my third year as a counselor. So again, we'll, you can talk about that in a minute, but it's called Mountain Creek middle school, um, brand new middle school in Jordan school district. So it's oh, up nice. in daybreak, South Jordan. So, David, tell us a little bit about how you saw yourself, who you were in high school. Okay. Like, I, I was always at school, you know. I was always there. But I like to, and this is the, the poetic thing that I've been doing over six months. I now believe that I was kind of tragically uninvolved. Like, I was there, but I was never at anything. Like, I went to school. I learned. You know, I was just a, a huge observer, which to a degree is... I still am, which is kind of why another reason why I reached out to kind of like, I guess, stretch a little bit. Yeah. Kind of do things, especially in in my personality, controlling when you do things. So I'm thinking I'm going to get called out and then I'm going to feel guilty not doing it. And then, you know, so I was there, but observant. Um, Sometimes I feel like I was a little bit of like a hopeless romantic. Um, I was awkward. I mean, I'm the guy who carried us the course around for half of our junior year. You know, so a stick horse. Yes, is that a stick with a horse head on it? Yeah, his oh. name was Pepe, um, <laughs> and yeah, he. I will come clean about that, so people didn't think I was having some kind of mental breakdown. I might have been, but it was. There was a couple guys in my art class that I would hang out with. They were great above us, and we were hanging out one weekend. And as you do, you go to Albertsons and the DI and. You know, I used to work at the Raphael's right there. So yeah. we went to dinner and hung out and went to the DI and I'd never had one of those stick horses that I could remember as a kid. So, you know, 25 cents, 50 cents. I'm like, I'm going to buy this. And they made fun of me and I was just like, whatever. And they said, I bet you, you won't bring this to school on Monday. And I said, challenge accepted. <laughs> so I brought it to school for the rest of the year until they graduated. So, <laughs> you know, now that's like a... That's like a sport or like I know. people I, pretend I, to ride those and like I do should. jumps and stuff. <laughs> he, I mean, it might take a couple months of training to get it, but I think we could probably get him back up to speed. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have a harder time getting in shape than <laughs> I might, but I'm interested. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> All right. You were, you were groundbreaking. So, <laughs> I love that you just brought it every day just to like spite them. And I didn't, like, yeah. Like, no, challenge accepted. I didn't explain it to a lot of people and like, it was weird. Like, I get it. And it came this personality. Like, it was the shtick that came around that I just rolled with. Like, I remember in seminary, they, like, you had to do, like, your talk or whatever. And, like, I don't remember. But, like, they wrote on the name, like, me and Pepe. And 
just had this thing. I brought it to work because I worked with people in school and they're like, where's Pepe? So I started bringing it to work. It got a name tag. Like it was this whole thing. They're just like, whatever. That's pretty funny. So, you know, I was weird. You know, I own that. Um, and sometimes speaking of work too, I felt kind of sometimes not like I had a super split personality, but definitely as a introvert, I had different levels of comfort with people where really at work, I was almost obnoxious, like really talkative. And where I had worked at Raphael's, like all my siblings had worked there. So I'd known a lot of people I worked with for, I played football with them for years. And so I felt really comfortable there and was almost over talkative. But at school, I was quiet and weird and uninvolved. Like I wouldn't doubt that half of the people, more than half the people don't even know who I am. So I just was kind of there and got my diploma and moved on. Now I'm looking back at it and being like, you know, especially in the profession thinking, so many opportunities that I could have done so much cool stuff that that's why I say it's like tragic. Like why didn't I play football? Why didn't I learn go deeper with languages or learn to play, like just stay in the band, stuff like that. But Yeah. I mean, it's because I think that's a common thought, you right. know, I think people think that, but you know what? It's like also high school is four years of your life yeah. and you know, we're 35. I w- I'm still thinking like maybe in a couple of years, I'll start taking piano lessons and like, just learn how to play the piano. It's like, why not? It's like, you know, it's I can so start much- at 35 and 10 years, maybe I'll be good. You just, know, it's there's, like- there's so much more distraction when you're old and it's yeah. so much more expensive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could learn how to play piano for in class for whatever the fees are. Maybe not piano, but right. Right. But you know, yeah, it's no, like, I mean, now like an hour set aside yeah. every other day to play the trumpet for an hour yeah. with you guys having kids and, you know, just being probably generally exhausting from your regular life and dates, you know, but, um, there's definitely a lot of advice I would give myself when I was younger that truly I probably wouldn't have listened to. So like what, uh, take math as a senior for sure. Um, again, I, I now know I have a math disability and, but back then, especially being young, um, I think I've probably already always known, but as you tend to do, I didn't act like I cared. So it would almost be like, math's not important, but in my mind, I'm thinking I'm not good at it. I feel lame. I feel, I feel like it's something on me, so I'm going to make it not important. So which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, I've struggled with math my whole life. I remember, you guys both went to Eastmont, right? Yeah. Remember Miss Elmer? Yep. Seventh had grade math? three years. You only had her for, oh, I didn't seventh, know she did. I had her for seventh grade. And I loved her well, because she, me she called me out, you know? <laughs> and so in, a, in elementary school, I, I was never good at math, uh, but I was a decent student. But um, she called me up one day and was like, hey, do you know how to divide? I was like, uh, yeah. Was like, show me. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't want it. You don't have to. And she was the first one who helped me, like. My influential math teachers were Miss Elmer, Mr. Hunter, and then a stats tech class I had in math, but or in college. And so, yeah, I, uh, I failed a lot. was never good. Always in the lower math grades in elementary school. And I remember doing ports on Egypt and stuff like that during math. Like, I didn't even try. So, was I not good at math because I was, couldn't do it, compounded by the fact that I avoided it at all costs. Right. And so, you know, I struggled a lot with math. And so, you better believe, and I tell my students this all the time, like, is it? As a senior, as soon as you didn't have to do math anymore, I was out, despite what my parents said, despite what a counselor would have told me at the time. And it's way different than it is now. You know, when I went to college, like I told you guys earlier, I I failed a lot. I like failed five or six college math classes. 
and just kept chugging away. And where that resilience came from, I don't know, especially because I wasn't motivated to be a counselor or a dentist or whatever. I was like, I don't know where it came from. Not to say I wouldn't have struggled in math or failed math in college. It's two years, essentially. The summer between junior, senior year, all of senior year, then the next summer. And I didn't do math forever and my skills were already in the toilet. So keeping that, if you don't use it, you lose it. So keeping those skills up. I wish I would have, I wish I would have taken math. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I love math. And uh, when I was a missionary, I loved to like tutor kids. Mm-hmm. And even before we crack a book, I would always like sit with them and I'd say like, have them be, like repeat after me mm-hmm. that thing. It's just like, have them say like, hey, I'm good at math. Yeah. Like, I'm smart. I can figure any of this out. And, you know, it's like math is easy. And we'd like just repeat that like five times and then we're like, okay, now let's look at the assignment because, and then every time it's just like when they're like, ah, oh, it's just like, I'm like, let's take a break. You're like, Hey, math is easy. You're smart. You can get this. You're, you know, and we just have them and they can, I'd have them say it out loud. And I think that helps. And I feel like there is this one thing. It's just like you're saying, like someone a lot of times doesn't maybe long division. They just didn't get it mm-hmm. or like. They didn't understand multiplications, yeah. right? And then it's just like compounding because now they're just like, they got stuck at this one point and it just didn't go like on it. But it, and then it's just like, it becomes an anxiety thing. Like oh, now yeah. math is, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like makes me anxious. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm not even trying because I hate it and I'm not good at it. You know, yeah. it's just like, so I, I would always try to change that mindset. I mean, and I, lo- I love that. I think that's amazing, you know, and like, what you're saying, at least in my experience, is true. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't have passed probably without my dad throughout that. And sometimes that would be, that's a whole different story. Like, not that he cheated. We'll edit that part out. Like, really, like, <laughs> my dad took so much. When he was there, my dad was extremely patient and teaching me these things. But my dad's also that one who's like, let me know. How, like, just just do it. I'll do it. So, like, do it with me. And so, he had a lot of that. It was, I do not envy the uh, tutoring that my family had to give me for little to no result of me or them. But really, I, I mean, they, they helped so much. My mom helped me get out of a really bad situation in high school, which sometimes is not, but what you were saying uh, with division is, is actually what is like, I eventually, so it got to that point where I had failed so many math classes at slick and they were rude. Like they were, you know, Math 970, like you cannot go lower is where I tested yeah, like after my senior. Math, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, remedial math at its yeah. basic level. And I failed that three times. And I finally, well, I think I passed it on my, no, I failed it three times. And then I passed it and moved on to the 990. And then I failed that twice. And then I passed that and then moved on to 1010. And then again, me not learning lessons. In order to get your diploma from Slick, you need to take stats. But you could take stats 1040 or 1030. And my the counselor there at Slick actually told me, like, take 1040. And I was like, no, I'm going to take 1030. Like, that's future me's problem. And, and then it got to that point where I started to do my undergrad. I actually started, because of my grades, I started um, Utah State on academic probation. They pretty much told me, hey, you have, you have a semester to prove us that your GPA isn't what it is. And then I totally went the other way and became obsessed. And so, um, took everything I had and it got to that point where I needed to take stats in for, uh, my degree. And 
had avoided it so long and it had been so many years because I take 1030. So I'm like, can I just take 1040? And they're like, no, because the five window is passed. I'm like, well, I know where I'm going to place. And it got to that point where I really was kind of stuck with my back against the wall to where I'm either going to have to take, you know, 970 or 990 at best, 1010, 1040. I had about two years of math because I had about three classes, four semesters or whatever of math that I'd have to take just to move on in my degree. So I finally went to him and I'm learning about the brain and psychology and stuff like that. And the more I read about learning disabilities and stuff, the more I was like, it's not because I was dumb. And that's what a disability truly is. It's like, you can't do this. And so I went and talked to them. I was like, Hey, I would really like to, uh, you know, I finally went to the disability resource center and got tested. And I'll tell you, this testing is intense. It took a lot. It took several months. And then for one eight hour day, I went to Utah state and, did every single test that I could because I wanted to, you needed to do that to be a school counselor. You need a master's degree now. Right. And so I, uh, um, went up and they were super awesome and helped me with the plan for me to be able to, uh, to move on. I had to take stats 1040 and then I had to take the psychological stats that I needed for my degree. I mastered it or I got my bachelor's in psychology, with the minor sociology. And so I met that requirement and I was able to move on. And that was that other, that stats 1040 class, um, you know, so I had enough plan and they did so much psychological testing. It was intense to prove that, hey, you can't do this. Not that you're not willing to do that. And as a 20, I think I was 27, 28, maybe um, I tested into a seventh grade math level. And my my breakdown was anything like division and then exponents and you know decimals, anything harder than but then the stats i i understood it the more i got in with math the better i did it was that basic third grade to seventh grade math that i couldn't that i couldn't do and i ended up actually really loving stats but that's the sports brain right i'm like i understand stats so to recap you you saw yourself kind of like a weirdo i'm gonna want to say like a weird kid no (laughs) i wouldn't say that I was just, I thought I had it all figured out. I was just like, this isn't important. I don't even know. Like, I didn't feel like I was weird. I was awkward. I still am awkward. Okay, so. I'm like, I'm socially awkward a little bit. I'm, I was extremely introverted and didn't know what that meant. More like kind of like a quiet observer. Yeah. Yeah, you, right. You said you were so, there, that you were yeah. present, but you were not super involved. Yeah. But you, and it makes sense that you would want to go into psychology or as a yeah. counselor because you just, you look. Yeah. And you watch and you observe and you absorb that information without getting any of that attention. Yeah. Attention. We had a 10 minute conversation to warm me up, right? Like I have performing anxiety for sure, where if I know I'm on, it makes me nervous. So that's why when you guys were recording, whenever you started recording, but like, yeah, I wouldn't say I was weirdo. Like I had, I had a lot of friends. I had really good relationships that lasted to today. Like, you know, I just was, I was just there. But I wasn't ever at anything. So, so like know. floating through? I don't know. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Like I wasn't super motivated. Like I avoided a lot of things, which drives me nuts to this point. Like, yeah. I don't want to learn how to play the band. I don't want to be in band. So like, I remember I wanted to play football and being the youngest of seven, like my parents had me had to at least pay for half of it. So I mowed lawns for the summer and all that stuff. And like, we're talking sixth, seventh grade to play like the peewee football. And yeah. I just, uh, I ended up saving the money 
at least a bunch of it. And then I got a, an immediate reward of buying a Darth Maul cardboard cutout from episode one. So That's I blew sweet. half of my money and then I never played football. So it's worth it though. Yeah. Well, someone, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that immediate reward now where I was just I like, yeah. maybe you made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Not to say I would be in the NFL now, because like, unfortunately, I probably haven't actually grown up since about eighth or ninth grade. Right. But, you know, it just, I don't want to say I was weird. I don't want to say I was, I was quiet. And then, it's like, I like that you said maybe awkward. And I think a lot of people are, it's like, you're just. I mean, in that age, you're trying to figure yourself out. Yeah. And there are some people that seem like they had themselves figured out. And there's people where it's like, I don't know. And I don't want to look stupid for sure. And you don't put yourself out there. And it's just... I feel like everybody's still trying to figure out who they are. You know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's like... It's a little Mm two-dimensional. Like, you're like, oh, what's my shtick type thing? It's Mm -hmm. just like... I mean, and you and I talked about it. It's just like... For me personally, it's like I would try to be a clown and make like entertain whoever I was with because I felt like, Oh, I have to be the entertaining funny guy, but it's, yeah. you know, like that's not really who I am. So I, it's one of those things. Like I think everybody at that point is trying to figure out yeah. who, who they are trying mm-hmm. to test out different personality traits of like, yeah. see what fits in a way. And I'd almost be willing to bet. This is the question that stumps most people. Like this is probably the one people think about the most. You know, because, like, I know who I am, but you're, like, back then, it was, one, it was so long ago, and I didn't know what other people thought, and, like, I just think that's where it was. Like, I didn't not care about anybody's opinion, but I also didn't. Yeah. You know? And I was just there doing my thing. I just wish my thing was more involved. Like, mm-hmm. I think I went to maybe one school dance. So, you guys are doing these episodes, and I was just, like, I went to maybe one football game. You know? So, I was, like, I was there. When I say I was there, I was at high school, but I was at nothing else. And... So it was like, you know, and I still am awkward and I'll own that, you know? So it was like, I wasn't, I don't know. But how, so how have you changed? So you're saying you're still awkward, but what are, what's David like today? Uh, It's different from teenager. I'm more aware of some of why I am the way that I am, you know, when it came to learning disability and what, I now know to be a form of abuse that I probably just I ignored for a long time. And that's where we start to get, you know, this podcast is definitely not something I ever talk about. You hear people talking about that, but you know, some, some stuff that happened to me when I was a kid of the sexual nature where, you know, it was like, as I learned throughout school, I was like, it was super weird. Cause I was thinking like, why didn't I turn out different ways? So I've become a lot more aware of who I am and why certain things may have led me to where I was like the math disability like i'm so strong on that and like i'm proud of myself and that i think is probably what changes like back then i was so disengaged unmotivated that how i've changed is that i'm i'm a lot more aware of who i am and how i got here and what my motivations are for the most part and uh i'm a little bit more true to that i would say that's how i changed but Getting this changes, or how, how are you figuring out about yourself? That I mean, I wouldn't say I figured out by myself, definitely, but like as I would learn, I would subconscious listen to my subconscious, be like, Well, that happened to me, and I'm not a you know, I'm not an alcoholic, like, why? And then finally, like, listening to that voice of like, That happened to you, and that's messed up, but being okay with that, or just learning, like, you know what, there's a lot of strengths in our weaknesses, and growing from some of our 
our disabilities from failing, you know? And so one thing that I know that I didn't change, but who I, who I am is that I've always been fiercely authentic to who I am. Um, and that's how it was back when I was, you know, in high school and everything like that. Like I was who I was and I didn't particularly care. Not in that, oh, it's so cool not to care. But, you know, the times where I wasn't authentic to myself and tried to be something that someone else wanted is some of my biggest regrets okay. throughout life. And so, you know, I've always been really fiercely authentic to who I am, but never my abilities. You've survived some abuse, right? And you're saying like, but you didn't in a way didn't recognize it or didn't understand it? Um, well, you know, it happened when I was really young. Yeah. So it's one of those things to where it's like, ah. as an adult, you're like, oh, is, you know, you're thinking back and you're like, this stuff was messed up. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I want it to be like that, but yeah, I mean, just, I would, I became, I don't know why, maybe it's the psychology brain. I became obsessed with the show intervention. I loved it. And I thought about me even like going and doing stuff like that. But a lot of the time, you know, and there's always these different reasons and nobody's story is wrong. But sometimes I'd be like, you'd hear the tragic people who are living on the streets and like literally, you know, dying. And, you know, they had suffered a similar event. And then I just would think like, why did I not do that? Because that, that sounds like what their experience was, was similar to what may have happened to me and so many other people. And... Something you keep saying that I, like a recurring theme is that you ask why, and I think that that's really important and almost, it's really standing out to me. It's just like you'll you'll be like, why am I not getting this math, and why this, why that, like why did I not end up like this person who had very similar experiences to me? And I think that that's an important question that we could all ask ourselves. And maybe more importantly, you you acted on the why. You tried to actually answer that question. And so taking that next step of, I'm going to go get tested. Like, I'm going to go see if there's something that's actually stopping me from making those connections to that yeah. math or figuring out the brain and figuring out, okay, my past experiences have led me to this point. People with similar experiences, they go down this road and figuring out how is that different from person to person. And so I, I just really, I don't know, that's been standing out to me that you, you, you've said that multiple times, like why? And it seems like you have done a lot of your own due diligence to find out why to whatever those questions are. And sometimes like, I, I, I don't know why and I'm okay with that. You know? And I think that's sometimes where I can get down the rabbit hole, but like I finally just listened to something that I had known, but didn't, you know? And like, I remember, you know, I grew up Mormon. My family is Mormon, things like that. And I remember, I remember being baptized and them interviewing that and me being like, well, I got to lie, right? Because I'm not that. Or especially when you're being a deacon, you know, you're like, well, I've had these experiences that that made me feel dirty, but it wasn't my fault. And I never blamed myself or even some of the other people. But like, you know, that's where I was fiercely independent, like where I was loyal to myself. I'm like, this isn't making me feel right. And I have some questions about whatever this may be. And so at a pretty young age, I was like, I don't know if this is right for me. So I left the church when I was pretty young and then went back and left, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know where I stand, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I didn't tell the bishop that. I don't know if I ever told the bishop. Like I've told my wife and I remember it was about 10 years ago that I had that moment of truth where I, I mean, it was awkward, I'm sure for a lot of my family, but I called people at one in the morning 
and just like I need to tell the people closest to me. And I started with some of my closest friends and then like called everybody. So it was something that I I know I kept a lot and didn't talk to a lot of people. So it goes back to like you're being fiercely authentic to yourself. Like, I need to do this, and so yeah. you just did it. Yeah, and in a way, it's like it's not something you have to carry anymore. You know, by definitely by calling your your family or your close friends mm-hmm. and telling them about it, it kind of lets it go from from inside of your heart, like yeah. that weight that you're carrying of like you know, it's like. Because it, honestly, it's like, you know, who cares about lying to the bishop or whatever? But, you know, it's it's still in you're in a relationship of authority and you're like, I don't know, it does feel weird, right? Yeah. And it's just like, especially in our Mormon culture. So, I mean, I, I can see how that can be really hard. And, and you're also saying, like, I didn't blame myself, but you easily could have. a lot of people do. And a and lot of people do feel like... It's like, oh, I've had this experience of I'm actually, I'm actually not pure or I'm dirty or I'm not worthy, yeah. right? But it's like, and even then, I I thought that, but like, you know, I didn't have the metacognition to realize what I was thinking about yeah. myself or whatever you want. But you know, and I I sometimes too is a little bit more of that kind of a gray thinker, but also pretty black or white when it comes to like what I do. When I was 16 and, you know, I was like, all right, I can do these interviews and, you know, went back to church a little bit and I hated blessing the sacrament because I didn't know if it were... Am I condemning all these people that are taking exactly. the sacrament? Well, it's mostly just like, all right, these people are here for good reasons and I'm here for whatever reason that it may be. You know, we won't get into that, but um, I hated blessing the sacrament because I felt like I was tainting it for them. So, yeah. I definitely, when we were listening to this podcast, like, I will be honest, and you guys can show this. You, I don't take pictures of it, but, like, I had notes, and this is not on there at all. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, sorry. I had known that, like, we were, you know, could get into it because there was so much of the amazing things throughout these last episodes where I'm like, you know what? Like, I can be bold. I can be vulnerable. I can talk to people like that. And like you had said, letting it, talking about it, letting it go is like, and I never go a lot. This is the most I probably talked about it in a long time because even though my family is not like tell me who like some of them like I went into more with with some of the friends and stuff like that but like a lot of time too I won't I won't say what who when or why but like but it's a scary thing and I mean and you said you don't have kids right do not have kids but it's just like once you have kids it's like and for me and I I don't know what your experience is like when I was a little boy you know somebody touched my penis and I went and told my parents like right away and I had to change schools and stuff. And I don't know. It's not like I don't feel traumatized by it. And, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I'm somewhere between hyper vigilant and like obsessed about it, you know, like protecting my kids. And it's, I, I at some point you realize you, you can't. Yeah. Because I can't be there 24-7 around my children. And, you know, I can do I can do some things to try to protect them. It's just like Bonnie and I are like, we're not, our family doesn't do sleepovers. Our kids will never do sleepovers. Like, I don't let the kids, like if the kids are by themselves like playing in the basement, it's like, I'll just poke my head in every 20 minutes. I just like, I can't, I can't not, not do it. I have to like, I have to do it, you know? And it's like just little things like that. But even then 
Those little things are huge. A lot of the stuff, some a lot of the, something might still happen, and when it happens like that, fast. and it's yeah, something still happens, and like, and then you know, it's just. But the, what what I take away from that too is like what you suffered is the essentially is sexual abuse, you know, and there's the different levels, and we won't get right, into right, that, right, right, but like, yeah. um, the fact that you told. And the fact that hopefully you tell your kids the boundaries well, it's the same and what thing. to yeah. do if it had happened. My parents yeah. were always like, hey, you know, tell us if someone... And I do that same thing with my mm-hmm. kids. It's just like... And it's not just once or twice. I mean, every few months I go and it's like, hey, you know, it's like, you know, your private parts are private and like they're not for any, If anyone asks you to show them, if anyone, you know, even if it's other kids, it's like, it's not okay. Or if... Yeah. And even if it's like, if someone's asking you to keep a secret from mom and dad, that's one thing you have to tell. You have to come and tell mom and dad and we're never going to be mad, you know, and just stuff like that. Well, I love that. I think it's the parenting. That's, that's huge. And, you know, I'm like, I love, I didn't say earlier and I never like, I don't know if I felt that weight. And it's like, I didn't not tell my parents because they aren't good parents. And when it really comes down to it, what I've realized a lot is that the reason why was because I had the support of my family when I was young. We just, we had that, that Mormon culture. You just don't, you don't ask, you don't tell where, right. you know, I love my dad and my dad traveled and worked a lot, but I remember that was it seventh or sixth or seventh grade when we had our maturation program or whatever. I don't know. They what didn't grade sign was that the permission slip. No, we went, but we were late. Cause he, he, like my dad, I don't want to say it. I don't know. Earlier I said when he's there, he, and my dad isn't exactly what you call. I mean, I don't know. It was just a weird experience. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think he just flew in late or something like that because he was gone. Yeah. You know, he's been everywhere. And so I think we just pulled up where it was like 10 minutes before they were in. He's like, well, do you have any questions? And we're like, we're not going to go. Do you have any questions? And I was like, yeah, you know, as a whatever age kid you are who does not want to go to this meeting and learn about sex and, you know, stuff like that. Like, no. And then we went to big B's and got a shake. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I've shared d- during Sway's episode, mm-hmm. we were talking about like, kind of like parents sex talk. And I had like zero sex talk, but I like could have used one, you know? And <laughs> like, because I even remember that class, like in middle school, we were just giggling every time someone said pubic area, you yeah. know, we're like, well, and, yeah. but so I didn't feel like it said, and, and it wasn't like, it was still, not what I needed. Yeah. And I, to this, to this day, and like Bonnie makes fun of me or thinks it's like the stupid, like that I'm like really weird by doing this. But when, uh, when one of her cousins or like the younger cousins or something is about to get married, I will always like go up to him and be like, Hey, you want to talk about sex? And I'm not talking about like, do you want to have a for real talk about sex? <laughs> and like, I remember her cousin, Matt, he doesn't listen, but <laughs> <laughs> When he, and I don't even know if he's, I think he was like, he thought I was playing. He thought I was like, just kidding. He's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, we went outside and we had like a, like a heart to heart about like, it's like, Hey, here, these are the things that I wish I, that someone had told me before, like before I had sex. And I don't know if it was good or, or bad for him. I like after, um, he hasn't talked to you since. So no, yeah, we talk all the time. No, he's a great guy. He's, now he's too much. We're talking we're talking about about sex all the time. <laughs> Calls you up and is like, I have some questions. Like, that was a one-time deal. But they all look like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what John Prue told me. <laughs> 
I still don't know what he was talking about. He just said those words. But you I know, like we derailed. I know. Yeah, we'll go back and I'll cut all this. Out. But I think it should stay. <laughs> it's good stuff. But I don't know. He said, I don't know if he was messing with me too, because then I would like Bonnie's like, I can't. You didn't do that, and I was like, Yeah, I did do that. And then I went, he was at the family reunion. He was like, you remember that? Was that any, like, helpful at all? He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't remember it. But I don't know. So. And I know sometimes, too, with, like, the health classes, like, without getting to, you know, it's like you you only can broach so much. Right. With right. It. Yeah. And that's, I think, what, especially at that age and that, that time frame is, like, don't, you don't ask, don't tell, because then that's going to implant things in their head. And, you know, I don't always believe that because you're like, you're going to learn, like, honestly, like, thinking back at it now, what had happened to me, I was like, all right, well, that was what it is. Like, I, I knew about some of that stuff, like, already. And so, but that kind of thing, too, where it's like, you just don't talk about it because if you do, then you're going to start doing it. And That's know. stupid. It's like, if you don't have, like, a good conversation, kids are just going to get it from whatever tv show or yeah, you know, know. look up and some porn or whatever when, and it's just like going to be like so far away from reality and what's the scary now is we were on that cusp of that being new technology it's like you're gonna learn it through your friends or through and kids these days it is ridiculously accessible like right. you know they all have computers like, in their phone in their pocket on their phone yeah and literally they're going to talk they and i get it like i want i want to be respectful to what's taught and you know have that kind of a little bit coexistent to to family nature but like seventh, eighth grade is is too late mm, they yeah. already know what this is and have probably already seen it or been asked to Perform you know, something. Like, and and the, the phones are like. And may have like a list as long as your arm of misinformation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's like you, you, we still learned it all, whether for good or for bad, because it's like it would have been. But let's get back so on track. We, can we say what? penis or would that be edited out? I just want to know. You how can much say it, whatever you want. You can, can say that for it. I don't want to do that. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Steve. I would, I would like to know what. You know, I know that there's some some meat that we're gonna get into. But what what's some stuff that you're really passionate about? Like, what are some things you want to share with us? I would say I'm a really passionate passionate about my profession, and that's led through a lot of my experience. Like, it's almost ridiculous, but like finding out I'm I'm a huge introvert, and that awakening changed my life to where I'm at now. But like that personality and that uh that exploration of finding who you are and what you want to do and kind of you go in there is, is a huge passion of mine specifically, but not only related to being introvert and things like that. But, you know, that's kind of where it came down to it to answer the question from earlier is like, I was what I, how I felt weird in high school was because I was an introvert, but I was, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why. You know, and and so much of what we value in especially middle and high school and really just in general is you when you're an introvert, you feel like you are you're flawed in some way. Because we glorify salespeople, the this is no disrespect for anybody, you know, but like that high school quarterback is kind of what you figure is the norm. And that quiet person who gets shy and just afraid to ask somebody their phone number, let alone raise their hand in class. Like you feel lesser than, 
And so that's where I felt like a lot of my passion had come from when I learned what introversion actually is and how that was me changed my life. Because you're thinking like, well, I'm shy, I'm weird. And that's not what it is. It's how you gain energy. Yeah. Well, people don't write books. Like people write how to win friends and influence people, yeah. not how to like stay quiet and read a book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, there are lots of books. <laughs> and so some of those are finding out who I was and that like, what is INFJ and what are the you yeah. know, introvert things like that. Like, yeah. And I think there's a lot to it where these tests that we had take, taken, you know, they're more than your BuzzFeed, what color or what Avenger are you? Like, there is some scientific proof, but it's on a, it's on a, um, a scale, you know? And that's where I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not shy. Like, I hate when people call me shy. I'm not shy, but you better believe I'm reserved. And there are levels to this day of people who I will say, I will talk to some things about, to some people, but even my closest friends, there's things that I just don't talk about, you know? Or you have to earn that trust, which is weird because now we're doing this to our entire graduating class. <laughs> but there's still even things I won't say on here, but finding out that I'm not weird or that I'm not shy, that really it comes down to, to your energies and that there's a lot of strength in being introvert and extrovert. We need, inter- we need both. There's a lot of strengths and a lot of skills in that personality and so often we just think it's a flaw because we, you know, yeah, yeah. going and meeting friends. And that's the thing too, where my personality, like even throughout high school, I I had a lot or I felt like I had a lot of friends, but the friendships that I did have too, like I didn't have a lot of maybe acquaintances. And so it's like the friends that I had in high school, like are my friends to this day for the most part. And so you can develop really good, lasting relationships and there's a lot of good skills in being an introvert so kind of leading that into being passionate in my profession what i am trying to do which i've been trying to do for years is i'm actually going to do like a small group in the middle school that i work at for introverts which is going to be the hardest thing for one (laughs) identifying that yeah so i'm going to have to teach our faculty about I don't want the quiet kids, the you know the the shy kids. Like I want kids who you know no more, the ones who are afraid to raise their hand. But when you talk to them one on one, they will give you an enormous amount of information, but they never raise their hand once. And that was me. Where especially if I had something too, where you're like, okay, um, in my cohort at college, I didn't talk a lot, and I had a class where you had to talk a certain amount of times. And raise your hand. And I like had to try to go out and do that. And I still got point stocked because I didn't do it enough. Yeah. And talking throughout some of the people, it's like, yeah, I got point stocked. And they're just like, but we'll just say quality over quantity. Like I have a friend who's extremely extroverted and felt dumb because she always talked in my cohort. So like, I felt like nobody cared what I had to say, but I always just had to raise my hand. Whereas when you raised your hand, you had thought about it and were coming to it. To where, like, because you didn't talk every day when you did, it was loud, even though you're quiet. And so, to tell kids, like, there's reasons why there's a lot of skills. This notebook that I've been carrying around, why I took six months to to come on here for you guys to, to kind of plan it out, to, to take control. And so, there's a lot of skills and a lot of strengths. So, yeah, there you go. That's kind of what I'm passionate about in connection. I think that is a root of a lot of things in education and with people is is connection and so how to play that you also said uh, like in the, i think on the first email that that you sent us 
you were talking about how like you like to advocate for the trades and yeah, like, yeah. No. you even heard uh, Dusty's episode and you were saying like oh that kind of like hit hard when yeah. you guys were talking about like school always pushing college college and like never the trades right so yeah that that is true and and that exploration but um so school counselors have changed a ton um since when we were in high school honestly it's changed a lot in the last 10 years for one i'll give you a little trade secret it's not a big secret guidance counselor is like a swear word in the profession right because it seemed like when we were in high school i honestly don't think i talked to my school counselor I knew who he was, but I didn't talk to him maybe more than once or twice. I think you had to like talk to them once, and then that was it. That was maybe like the minimum the requirement. Yeah, but I know I talked to my elementary or my middle school in eighth grade. They didn't. There's no way they had elementary back then. But yeah, you know, it was a lot more of the vocational, a lot more of that guidance, right? And so you used to not have to get a you know master's degree. Now you have to because we are, you know, we deal a lot more with the mental health mm-hmm. and. And so that guidance part kind of just shows that we're talking only about trades and things like that. And so that's one of those things where it gets bitter, where you're like, oh, you go see your guidance counselor. And you're like, so to advocate for what counselors actually do in the schools. And I, I do remember it was, it was Dustin, right? Yeah. Um, he was talking about he wished that his counselor had told him more about the trades. And I was like, we do. We do. I'm like almost yelling at my phone sometimes. I know you guys talked about another thing, you know, and it came up quite a bit where, at least for me, I can only speak for what I do, but I do, I, I'm very passionate about education and, and really just that authentic growth, but what colleges and what counselors do and trade schools or college, you know, you go to be an electrician, you go to be a, a truck driver, you go to be a cosmetologist, you need to be certified. Mm-hmm. And that certification is college. Just tends to be what college actually by the you know, the state of Utah it was Herbert to find it. So where I had the goal for it is college is one, two, four or more. And so people saying, I'm not gonna go to college because I'm not gonna go to the University of Utah to get a bachelor's degree because I wanna be a, a truck driver or an electrician, it's like that training that you go through is college. It's usually about a year or two, right? Yeah. And so, you know, whether you go and, and I agree, like you got to go do to where your passions are finding your authentic self and doing whatever you need to do. Okay. So then tell us a school counselor job has changed over the last year. So what, how would you define your job today? As the, uh, boy, I would define it as the Swiss army knife of the school. We we're one of the only people in the building who have the whole student in mind. The biggest majority of where we would spend our time is mental health, Right. Um, as well as college and career exploration and, you know, current scheduling and things like that to where, you know, teachers and and I love teachers. Like, honestly, I wanted to be a teacher. I'm not a teacher for a reason. And so I, I don't, the, the respect for teachers is amazing, but usually they're worried about their content. Right. And there's like the history teachers care the most about history science, you know, like that's their job. That's their livelihood. Yeah. Our PE teachers, our art teachers care more about art understanding. You know, it's like, I know there's always that debate of, should we even offer band classes? And you're like, absolutely. You should, especially the what? And so 
I don't remember what you guys asked because I started going on. <laughs> so we were talking. Right? I was just asking you, like, how do you define your role today? It sounds like yeah. a, a, a counselor twenty years ago was like looking at your schedule, mm-hmm. maybe giving you a little bit of like career advice, but mm-hmm. essentially they're just saying like fill out college applications. You know, that's yeah. kind of what I remember. But you're saying it's morphing into. Like someone that is looking into the well-being of the students. Yes. Either if it is like some career and future counseling, but also like today, how are you feeling mentally? Are you feeling mentally healthy? Is your like is your schedule yeah. allowing you to thrive in school? You yeah. know, just those kind of things. Right. You know, you just drop out the in school part. Like, or we are the we are the professionals for mental health in the school system, and so not even about your future planning it's talking about suicide um talking about our mental health that's my job and giving lessons in classrooms and going and talking in a day-to-day basis i could never tell you what i might see and so that's why i think i wanted to advocate to be like the counselors we know are so different we're there to be looking out for for students and wherever they're at. And a lot of times that comes to mental health and suicide ideation and all the, you know, gamut of problems that exist these days that we maybe didn't have or did, but yeah. So the mental health aspect of it is a lot more of what derives our profession. But then also, you know, we also do the career exploration, things like that. So I know in, in our discussion before we started recording, you were talking about just being a support for the student regardless of what they bring to you you brought it up how whatever you want to make them feel comfortable and feel supported regardless of what their stance is or where they're at or what direction they're going necessarily you just wanted them to feel supported yeah so we're just an advocate for whatever they need i think a lot of the issues that kids have today are not unique to this day. I think some, a lot of them are like the social media stuff and the phones and all that is totally different than where we are. But I think the, just the, the teenage angst, the yeah. uncertainty of themselves, oh, the yeah. exploration, it, I don't, I don't know that it's a lot more prevalent now than it was before. I think that the, the media has changed yeah. how it presents itself. I, and I agree. And that's kind of where I was talking, where I, I feel like how I have changed is like knowing who I am. As a counselor in the last, you've been a counselor for what, like you said, four years, three years? Three years. So three years, you've seen lots of kids come through, right? And come and talk to you. And you remember how you were as a kid. What, if you were your own counselor when you were, if David today could counsel 16-year-old David, what would you counsel him to do? Take math um, and let it go. And, you know know that you're going to be okay. And life sucks sometimes. There's a lot of intense, you know, in the 40 or how many other people you guys have talked, there's been so many things that people are going through. And kind of like you had said, Steve, you're not unfortunate. Like no one has got your experience. And so we are all individually unique people, but it's almost been done before too. And I think that's where, like, for me, it's like, I'm the only person who feels that way. So when I found out about being an introverted and knowing that I'm 30% of the population, you're just like, wow. And I, I don't feel like it's a great answer, but just to like, 
let it let it go and know that there there are people for you i love it and the thing is is there's people there for you but they can't read your minds Mm -hmm. and that's part of what like with technology a blessing and what we do is we're there for crisis response too we're there for mental health so a lot of the time too we'll notice patterns and you know from what you write in a homework assignment to your friends noticing and a lot of the the warning signs of depression, suicide, things like that, or suicide ideation, where it comes out a lot. And people will say, like, do you really think in class they are going to come out and tell you that they're feeling suicidal? And the, the answer is actually yes. We have had people do that. But anytime we talk about topics that deep in the classroom or in like an assembly type setting, we're all there. Like if I go to teach about how to register for next year, it'll just be me. But we have several counselors in there to look for signs where people might be triggered about or, you know, teachers might notice a drawing or a writing in the arts or anything like that that might be warning signs of ideation or a friend. We, we teach what to look for. And so friends will, will notice and come to me. And that's what my job really is, is to, to be there for whatever they're going through and having awkward conversations and not that they're awkward, but you know, a kid likes to, and that's where I'm at too, where I try to, I try to be present. Like you guys were saying, like maybe your counselor, you see once, but I try to meet with my kids at least once a year on their birthday and let them know who we are. I couldn't even tell you who my elementary or my middle school counselor was. I try not to be that. So if there could have been a lot of things I was going through that if I had known someone was receptive to hearing it or that there were help out there, I might've done it. I might have been talking before 2021, you know? And so people will say a lot of the time, like, do you really think that you're doing any good? And that kids will come up and say, Hey, whatever topic we're talking about, that they'll come out in that way. And it's like, yes, it does happen, but educating them what to do if they, or someone they know is having those feelings, what to do about it. So frequently when we have those lessons, someone might not raise their hand and say, Hey, Mr. Parker, I actually attempted suicide last year, but they may say, Hey, my friend, you know, has been saying some of these things that you talked about, or I was really triggered by your lesson. Or, you know, when the counselors came in, I've had that experience in my life, whether it be themselves, their family, friends, things like that. So even if it's not in that immediate moment, knowing what to do and when to do and who to talk to, similar to your parenting, like letting them know that, that you're there and this is what, what to look for and where to go if it happened. I love it. Yeah. Hmm. Do we have any beef with us or in general? Yeah. Do you, with us or do you have beef uh, with someone else or my beef is with Chad Hillier. He was the friend who texted me out and said, hey, man, have you listened to this? And so I immediately thought, and he's like, he's my brother. He's yeah. one of my longest best friends ever. But it's more of the joking beef. It's like, he, yeah, because he, he has gotten called out. He's he And he, he's gotten called out and he messaged me a little bit. But then he's <sighs> like, I guess I even said like, hey, when you want to come on? And I, I don't so, like kind of like ghosted it. A little bit of my beef is with him because he got called out by, I think it was Christine in the early yeah, episodes. Yeah. And then right around that time, because again, I was a few months behind because I didn't know that you guys existed. You're like, um, hey, check out this podcast I got called out yeah. on. <laughs> so when it came to that episode, I was thinking like, that makes sense. And at first, you know, it's just like, especially because I, I started listening in the summer and everybody knows I make all of this money and have all this time off during the summer. And so yeah. I was, I would listen 
when I would be driving around and I do have more time and I'm like, I love that. But, um, you know, paint, when I was painting our bathroom, I was listening to a lot of episodes and then he got called out and was like, all right, now I know why, what are we going to do about it? So I took control and then months later and I haven't told him that I've listened, that I was going to be on anything I'm gonna like that. I'm going to send him this episode. <laughs> like, I, I will send him this episode right, for yes, you soon. Because I'll be like, hey. So my beef is like, man, what? He's, you know, Step we still. <laughs> so, I mean, I miss that. Let's call him out. So, I love it. But, you know, I don't know if at this point I, I honestly have a whole lot of beef. Like, at least ones that you'd want to bring up. Like You've let the other ones go? I think so. I'm, a lot of it's like like everybody says like i just hope that people don't have beef with me and i'll be honest like i said i was obnoxious you know and one of the things that i i guess it's not beef but maybe an apologetic thing like i worked so sway never worked at Raphael's, but his dad and uncle and his grandparents owned it yeah um and so i've known sway for for a long time too and there's a lot of people who would worked at Raphael's, and throughout time i guess too and, and josh gibbons had worked there and um when he came on, I was like, I don't know if it's a, maybe an apologetic. I want to apologize to him. Throughout years or whatever, you're talking about people and a lot of my friends throughout, like I still hang out with that work from Raphael's. And yeah. I just remember we brought it up and this is something I was like, man, like I, I know I had seen that dude. And, you know, it's like, I just didn't think he liked me very much. Through whatever reason, someone like, and I feel like I feel we got along okay, but turned out at one point, and I don't know if this is true or if this is just young teenager or young adults being dumb young adults. Yeah. At one point when we were all hanging out after work, we went to D's and I guess I might've borrowed money from him and probably was a nosh of really obnoxious and rude being like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to. And I legit forgot. And so I don't know if that's, if it's true, but I can understand why people, so you're, you're I can understand why people from Raphael's might not have liked me. And if, if I owe you money, Josh, you, say you owe Josh or Sway, 12 bucks? Uh, it would be Josh. Not Josh so. Gibbons? Yeah. All right. I'll check and see if, like, you And if you would like, like to, we'll go get him, you know, we'll go get him a drink, whatever drink he wants. We'll, we'll Take go. him to D's on, yeah. like, 45th Street. Yeah, that would be <laughs> Yeah. I got there in Taylorsville. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, like, you can have a plate of cheese fries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Hot chocolate. <laughs> That's it. I just really can't verify that th- this is true, but I was just like, yeah, I didn't think that dude liked me very much, actually. And I get it. Like, but, like, yeah, I think he, like, rubbed him the wrong way and he did that and I was like I don't even remember doing that and it does sound like something I probably would do in a joking way intending to pay him back or maybe I was just a maybe that's who it was I don't know man I get it I feel like I was as a kid I was very invested in having everybody like me but now I don't even care (laughs) I wasn't then like I really wasn't in fact I know most people don't like me but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I beg to differ on that. But. <laughs> My beef is wanting you to treat yourself better. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> Starting right now. Now. I, I like you, Gonzo. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah, so... I love how many Raphael's references we've made today. I love going to Raphael's. And I loved on birthdays how Sway's dad would be up on a table with that huge sombrero. And sing a non, yeah. <laughs> non-actual, I don't think it is actually Spanish version of happy birthday. That but everybody I felt so special. Yeah. I mean, I loved that job too. It was a really influential part of who I was. And 
you know, I know I understand. I say like I'd feel obnoxious or something like said my siblings had all worked there. So I was maybe more entitled where like there was no question where my first job was going to be. And I might not have deserved that. And I might have thought I was more untouchable or whatever. And it helped me feel more comfortable to where I might have joked around with people. But I have that sense of humor, too, where sometimes people think like, like I said, people don't know how to read me a lot and sometimes more dry. But like, usually I'm kidding. Like, if I'm not kidding, you know it. And so a lot more fun at heart and playful than people think I am based off of probably the way I look at my general demeanor. Is like, I'll make a joke and never mention that it was a joke. And so people are thinking like, wow, that guy was a butthead. And I was just like, that was a funny joke, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it's because you got like this big, huge, grizzly beard though? I don't know. Probably. But it was like that back then too. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of it might've been like it being in my own thoughts a lot or like being so observant and not knowing it that a lot of things might've passed me by. I definitely know nowadays people will judge that film, but pretty pretty nice guy pretty fun loving guy you know tried to be but do we do you have anything else you want to talk about or anything before we take off i do first of all i've always wondered oh i also need to clarify for you okay i think it was when we listened to debbie's episode i liked the way that it went but um financial literacy is a thing one of you were saying, hey, I wish they taught us more about... Yeah, I said that. It's like, hey, it, there needs to be it more is, like, is, basic finance classes. It is. And someone said, oh, I probably would have taken... It's a graduation requirement, so you have to. You have to take an adulting financial literacy class. So at least, in, at least in Jordan School District, that was another thing. I'm like, you do. Okay. The um, record has been set straight. Good job. Usually you take systems. it in junior. Thanks for letting us know so we yeah. don't spread misinformation. Yeah. So it's, it's there. It's actually kind of funny you mentioned your wife, too. And like I thought about that, too. It's like how, especially with us, like our lives have been awkwardly intertwined a lot where even though I haven't I've literally physically seen you in how many ever years, like, yeah. Um, I went to a Mandy Moore concert with your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, your sister comes up a lot because of one of my friends who worked off I was with me. Um, really good friends with them. So love Mandy Moore. I do too. And that's me being, this is like no joke where like me being fiercely authentic and I've struggled with a lot of things too, right? Um, like I've had depression and I've had, um, a lot of downtimes with my wife too. It's, it's always related on my ability, not me having struggles with my wife, but like she's known me as this different person where sometimes I perceive to be really confident where I'm not. And I know who I am and I'm unapologetic about that. Like I love Mandy Moore. I love Taylor Swift and Kelly Clarkson. I don't care if you make fun of me, you know, I love professional wrestling and I know it's, I will fight. I won't fight you on it, but I'll pretend to fight you on it, right? Pressure. Yeah, that, that was really good. But like, it's planned. I get it. It's planned. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that's what I. When it comes to professional wrestling, it's like, oh, I hate that it's fake. It's like those dudes could really still fight. Like, I'm like, you know what? Every, well, name them. What's your favorite movie? And I go, oh, what's your favorite Marvel? That's fake. That is faker than professional wrestling. Sorry. No, wait, Iron Man was doing all that stuff. See, <laughs> it's not so, if you bring up like some sweet Jackie Chan movie, though. <laughs> True, true. Good point. But, you know, it's like, it's no, (laughs) it's not as under, or it, man, you're just playing. It's, it's that, it's the entertainment. It's the dancing. And like, I love professional wrestling and I don't, I I don't care who knows it. It did reach its peak when we were like in high school though. Oh, for sure. Like, okay. Any friend in late nineties wrestling was the best. Yes. Sting and the rock and all those dudes, like 100% is the best. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) 
I know people hate it and I don't care. But what my wife had always said too, and I'm like, you know, obviously I open up to her more than anybody and I'm struggling with stuff. And she's like, I don't understand why you're struggling with this. It's always my ability. Like I struggle with new things. Like, can I do this or can I do this to the level that I feel like I want, you know, and I'm hard on myself more than anything. Right. And so, um, she's like, you're so, I don't understand where this doubt is coming from. Like, you're so confident. I'm like, in what way, you know, and, and she sees things that I don't, or these natural abilities where I'm like, I don't feel like I can do this. And she had mentioned like, you love Kelly Clarkson. People like you shouldn't like, don't normally people who keep that in they're like closet fans. And I'm like, no, I will probably own the fact that I went to a Mandy Moore concert and that, I invited my friend my chest. That, I <laughs> that I ended up bringing your sister because literally no one else would go with me. But it was it was a fun time and we had a plan where I was going to ask Mandy more out if we could meet her. So we met some of the bands and I was like, Nancy, I need your help because I won't actually ask her out. Will you ask her out for me or whatever? He's like wave at Mandy <laughs> from across the room. <laughs> it, was, it was good times, but like my just abilities is what I... Uh, like struggle with a lot and so i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not com- unconfident in who i am but can i do this and that's a lot like man you have some editing fun like my this is how my brain works everybody like i can't control it but like i'll loop into things and the struggle i've had in these three years as a profession has been immense because they the one thing i learned in school is don't quit in your first three years so being a being a new educator, a new teacher, that first two or three years is insane. And so, I mean, I was just like, all right, let's be whatever. Like, this is my third year as a counselor. This is my third year as a school. So me being whatever, me and the way I am, like, this will be a great opportunity. Um, let's open a brand new school. And when you open a brand new school, it's, it's different. Like... It's one of the, it's, it's extremely difficult to do because you really have 60 people that are coming from all different, uh, there's no processes that are set up. You know, it's maybe not, you know, opening a brand new business or maybe like that where you open a Jimmy John's and they have the business models for you. And I've never opened a Jimmy John's. I'm just generalizing, but you don't have any guidelines. You don't have even the paperwork doesn't exist. And so it's a really intense year and like you're trying to build that culture based off of lots of different cultures. And it's not unique to to just a school, but it is extremely intense. And I opened a brand new middle school in my first year, which you're already your first year, you're like, what am I? And I did that in 2019, 2020. So I ended up opening a brand new school during my first year out of my internship and what ended up being a pandemic year. And so I, my, my career has been far from traditional, I would guess you could say, because not only did we have that, I, if we end up not having any closures this year, then that will be the first actual full school year that our school has ever had. Mm-hmm. And so not only that, and me, I'm, I'm that perfectionist, easy, like I'm, I will drive myself insane if I ever write a book because the way my brain works, like it's hard to, to just sit down and do things and let the process naturally happen. Like I'm no joking. Like I have notes that I have taken that I've narrowed down to these pages that we've talked about to make sure I talk about what I intended to and so much other stuff. You know, I'm thinking 
I'm going to change the world and help students. And that's what my goal is. And I've been looped into, you know, online learning. And, and it's been, that first year was extremely overwhelming. And then that second year was extremely frustrating. There was a lot of like the online schooling. I think we can see for the most part, people just struggled. Yeah. And it's you not know, easy. it was frustrating for me because people would, for whatever reason, and everybody has all, you know, but people would come and come and go from online learning all of the time. So it was extremely frustrating. Yeah, I think for some t- subjects it works really well, yeah. but it doesn't work on for every subject. Yeah. And, and it depends on the student too. Like, yeah. you know, my, I was so motivated. Like I was doing this because I needed to when I did my undergrad because I needed to still work. And, you know, but it's almost animal nature to avoid uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. And so like, why in the way, if you could play Xbox and be at home, why would you not? And those face-to-face interactions that that connection that you have through there is so much different than on the screen, which is why I wanted to be here today rather than talking to you guys from that. It's like, it's not as effective. You don't have that emotional connection as much. And there's been a lot of good and a lot of benefits that come out of it. But especially last year, my school has always had to be more reactive than proactive for everything. And so it's, it's been challenging and I've, I burnt out a lot quicker than I thought I would, you know? And that's something too, where you get that question a lot where like, how are the kids doing this year? And it's like, kids are resilient. Kids are incredibly resilient without even knowing it. But what I've noticed a lot is the people in our schools are not okay. You know, the adults are struggling teachers more than ever. Like I work with faculty. I have parents coming and unloading on me and, and, other teachers and stuff like that because kids are just doing what they've done the last few years and I've adjusted a lot more where as adults we have that longer term thinking and everybody's in a crisis but the kids probably just don't realize it yet other than you know the the stuff you worry about the kid where now I'm in person and that kid can see my zit and nobody's had a zit before so nobody can understand me you know Mm -hmm. well you know and it's you mentioned that it's like we've been in a crisis and it's been in a an extended crisis. Mm -hmm. So people have been like kind of surviving on crisis mode. And I mean, I have experienced burnout, Mm but I've, I have it and it's been a tough couple of years. Um, and it's just, it is like, you can function in a crisis for, for, for a minute, but you can't do it for like an extended period Mm -hmm. of time. It's just, hard it's hard on you and i really feel like everybody in the world is in a flight or flight situation right where we're having these things and and that's stress is good we need stresses to survive right you know i need to know there's a tiger coming to me but like we are having such we've been running for from a tiger for two years straight you get tired (laughs) and you don't know when and you know like it yeah like it's been way too long and that's what i'm saying like with kids like yeah they're stressed out too and they have this whole unique part of these gaps or these these issues i'm not saying kids are not okay but you know hopefully we can take care of them when they're there but a lot of the time i have been shocked at how many like people are burnt out like you hear it in the news or in conversations like people in education and in healthcare are like running on fumes Mm -hmm. And we can't do anything about it. We can't hire teachers. We, we've hired and luckily we haven't had a whole lot of turnover, but we can't hire substitute teachers. So every single day almost 
pretty much every day this school year, our uh, teachers have had to sell their preps to cover other classes because we can't get substitute teachers to come in. We don't have enough people to be bus drivers and so or to be lunch staff, you know? And so and I see that a lot too in, in the medical field where you're like, after so long, you know, we can't work 60 hours a week or whatever it is anymore. I think when there's not an end in sight, I think that's the hard thing is I think when the, like, so when the vaccine first came out, it's like, man, cases are going down, everything's great. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, cases are going up like crazy over the summer more and more. And it's like, there's no obvious light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, yeah. you reach that burnout because you're like, how long can I keep doing Exactly. This? And so we're all in this fight or flight and kids are just like, okay, but, but we're all like, I don't know how much more I can do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sometimes what worries me where uh, like, we don't know. And I think kind of to a point, and I won't get into the, that part of it, but especially at first when this was going down, you know, I'm, I'm FaceTiming my friend group and saying like, when, when we're grandpa, like when we're old talking to our grandkids, cause we're in this weird situation of our, our, our age to have lived through what is arguably the two biggest events in we'll say maybe American history, but like, Oh, for sure over the last hundred years, right. To have gone through and remember nine 11 and the pandemic there's not like our age group of our, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, to have that memory where you're like, all right, we're talking to your grandkids and saying, Hey, let's, uh, you know, grandpa, what was, what was nine 11? Like, or what was the pandemic? Like, like which one will be the bigger event? You know, we never had maybe that world of war, but we had in a hundred years, these two huge events. I'm wondering yeah. like, which one's going to be I mean, more impactful. Not even that. It's like, you, it's like nine 11, the longest war in American history, a global pandemic, two financial tra- crises, and you know, and counting. You know, it's yeah. like what's what's around the corner. Who knows? Well, you know? And some of them is like, you know, when I think about it, it's like nine eleven was huge in our life, mm-hmm. and especially at the beginning, you're like, oh, this will is this gonna go away? And now, like, it's those legit like fear, like, is this gonna go away? And so I feel like it's been, it's, I would say it's been more impactful on our, the majority of people's day-to-day lives, right? Where you're like, hopefully it'll be how many ever years, but we won't know until then. Looking back on things, you can say, hey, this, this, you know, I say this all of the time, like what ends well or all of it ends well. How's that phrase go? All's well that ends well. Thank you. All's well that ends well, but it sure sucks getting there sometime. Yeah. So like when we're actually at the other end of this, if we ever get at the end of this, knock on wood. Oh, in fact, I am obsessive and I knock on wood. I carry wood around to knock on. So, you know, Um, when we're through this, just be like, man, that was a crazy eight years. That was a crazy six, whatever, two years was insane. But we didn't have a face that we could fight. We didn't have a clear winning point to where maybe with some of the other events we we would know when our economy reaches this point we'll be good or when we get that bad guy we'll we'll end us or whatever you know cool um yeah you have anything you want to promote no i don't i just need to (laughs) i need to promote my wife though yeah me personally yes she's a very creative person and she's written books and does a lot of photography now oh cool she likes these senior pictures so she's she's what i would promote she's what i promote anyway 
she's an extrovert, so she helps me read out. So this is me maybe introducing. But all right, we'll promote her business. She's got to share your episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, she will. I won't. Like, I I don't know if my family is listening to this. It's because she told me, not because I did. Bless her heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate but you. I think you're right. Like, well, tell us about one. her. Does she have like a, a business that? A she, business name? How do we find so uh, her stuff? She has like a pen name, which is fun, but it's Kate Halson. And so I'll, I'll spell it out for you guys and like whatever. The yeah, send me an email with all this stuff so I can like she, link to like a website or something where she has a book. She, or... she mostly will do through things through like Instagram. If you follow her Instagram, she has one for each of them. So, okay, you know, cool. thumbtack, stuff like that. But I love it. Yeah. Okay. We'll make sure the word gets out. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for coming over. Yeah. Super yeah. good to see People you. should actually come to person. I agree. If you feel, and that, you know, if you feel safe, you feel healthy, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm all about that, where it's like, I truly was like, hey, I don't even know. When we first, th- I've been planning this since July, I'm like, I'm going to go in if we can. But, you know. I love it. I'm, I'm happy you came. Me too. I think in person is awesome, because it's, I don't know, I feel like... It just gets to be a more real conversation. And you're here, and I'm going to give you a big hug when we're done, if you yeah. let me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, that's in the general, it's not. It's more my personality than somebody, but like, I, I'm trying to stay safe, but I'll allow it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I've, I've had sanitizer, so we'll be good. Well, thank you for taking the time and just being open and sharing with us. I, yeah. I've really enjoyed the conversation a lot. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys have? I think we did it. Sweet. Thanks, David. You're welcome. I really need to use your bathroom. All right. Yeah. All right. Good night. I got to put that on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> staying. Yeah. <laughs> At the very end. Like, we're all done. Now let's do this, too. I really need to use the bathroom. <laughs> Steve, Gonzo, you just talked to me. What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll keep that as the... As the uh, outro. I'm just yes. kidding. I can't. Don't do it because I can't take that from whichever one. No, that's good. Time, I so. like it. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I thought it was great. I I love that he's a middle school counselor, and I think that uh, you know he. It's just cool because he seems like he just really cares. Like I think the most important thing that came through is he wants to be an advocate for the kids. Like whatever they come, like whatever they come to him with. He just wants them to feel loved and supported. It feels like he takes his job really seriously. Yeah. Like that being a counselor and helping the kids is super important to him. And he, he joked, I guess I, I'll say joked like about like changing the world. But it just made me think of like that starfish analogy of like the man walking on the beach with the little kid. Remember that? Tell like, me. This man's just, or no, like the little kids walking on the beach and like picking up the starfish and throwing them back into the ocean and. This old man's like, kid, kid, what are you doing? He's like, I'm saving, I'm saving all the starfish. He's like, you can't save all the starfish. They're going to die. And then he picks one up, looks right at the old man, throws it in the ocean and says, save that one. <laughs> and I, uh, like, I was thinking the whole time when he was talking about that, like, that's, that's what he's doing. He's like, I'm here. I'm talking to the kids. I want to be a resource for them. If it's just, if it is future planning or if it is like, hey, I have kids that are coming out to me and they don't feel safe doing it at home. Or I have kids that talk to me about suicide. I have kids that talk to me about their plan for suicide or they have com- they tried to commit suicide in the past. And 
he doesn't care where they're at. He's not trying to push an agenda. He wants them to be alive and to be healthy. Yeah, he wants them to be safe. Yes. So he's he wants the kids to be educated and to have a good future, and he wants them to be safe. And it's like that's what I would hope any school counselor would um, would feel. You know, I would um, want that for my kids. Yeah, like, for I would sure. want so like I would want them to feel like they have that love and support. And it's just it's too bad that there are so many kids that feel like they can't get that at home. Um, and I think he really kind of opened my eyes to that. Like my kids are little and we take care of them. And yeah. Another thing that I got out of them was like how knowing yourself or learning about yourself can be like shape you and shape your future. You know, he's talking about some of the things that, that have been big in his life was learning that he was an, an introvert and learning how he functions, how his brain functions, learning through his disabilities, like, and that has making him feel at peace, like, there's nothing, it's like, yeah, there's, understanding himself is like, I'm not, because that's what he's saying, it's like, maybe I was weird, but it's like, I wasn't weird, I was just a different kind of person, you know, and that's not necessarily weird, I was an introvert, I was, you know, trying to find my identity, and I thought that was, that stuck with me when he was when he was talking about that it was it was great and I love that he came over I love we talked a whole bunch before we started recording we talked a whole bunch after he gave us these sweet presents yeah he get, he like gave us some airheads and he made the, he made us some mix CDs like straight out of like 2003 like <laughs> dude it's awesome it's like the jhs podcast nostalgia cd songs from 2001 to 2004 yeah i'm gonna take a picture of these and like post them on our instagram like that's, it, it was awesome he gave this to us and it was like this is so freaking cool that we have this and uh like you said it was it was great to see him in person the last thought that i had kind of going off of your idea of just learning more about himself when he first brought up like math, I thought that's really interesting. Like, okay, and then he started telling a story about math. I'm like, okay, he's telling the story about math, but really, like, that's a super important story in the development of his identity. Yeah. Of how, I mean, just this is a thing that you know when you're going through school, you got to learn. You have to start like here's your basics, and you got to go through all these things. And he talked about how it just didn't click with him, and. I think that that can affect a person where it's like, am I, am I dumb? Why right. can't I do this? But then, like we talked about, falling farther and farther behind. And I, it's just huge that he recognized something. And then he talked about how like there, there is strength in weakness. And the whole idea of learning himself, going through and finding out why. Finding out that there is a problem so then he can address it the appropriate way. And look where he is now. Like He was able to make it through those classes. He was able to make it through and get his bachelor's and his master's. And now he's counselor in school helping kids in all different aspects of their life and so i i think it was awesome like i'm really glad he came on and shared his story me too great episode yeah if you'd like to be on just send us an email jordanhigh 2004 podcast at gmail.com we are happy to hear from anybody if you like the podcast send in a voicemail tell us what you like about it share the episodes with your friends Apple review. Yeah, Apple review. So, uh, this is another episode 
of the Jordan High 2004 podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Santa, tell me if you're really there. Don't 